So if you have your Bibles, you could turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel 37, chapter 37, and we'll read verses 1 to 14. Now, it may be that you've never heard a sermon from Ezekiel, and uh, actually this is the first sermon I've preached from Ezekiel uh, myself as a, as a pastor. Back in France, as uh, we were sharing a little bit in Sunday school time, that uh, one of the things that uh, folks in our church struggle with is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's something that uh, often divides us instead of uh, uniting us, how we consider the Holy Spirit, how He works. And uh, thinking on how to, to answer some of these questions, I was studying the, what Scripture says about the Holy Spirit and... Uh, I became convinced that this text in Ezekiel is the, the main text in the Old Testament that explains for us the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's several others, of course, Genesis 1 and other places we see how God works by His Holy Spirit. But in Ezekiel 37, we see a, a picture of human sin, uh, the human condition, uh, our inability to change ourselves, to better ourselves, even to, to listen to God's Word. Of course, Ezekiel takes a, a picture of uh, the dry bones. It's just a great metaphor uh, for uh, how we are before God would intervene and change us and give us a new heart, apt to follow Him. So let's read Ezekiel 37, uh, the first uh, 14 verses. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said to me, Prophecy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you. And make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive. And you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, and there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophecy to the breath, prophecy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came to them, and they came to life and stood on their feet an exceeding grand army. Then he said to me, 
son of man. These bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, and they say, behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves, my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come out of your graves, my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. And I will place you on your own land then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. Do you believe that people can change? Uh, how, how can people change? I, it's, uh, all, all too often I find myself uh, thinking, oh, so-and-so, he's just that way. Uh, he'll never change. Or I think that about the churches that we serve in, uh, in France. Uh, they've been this way for 400 years. <laughs> uh, that's just the way they are. Uh, or I'll say that uh, to myself about myself. <laughs> uh, saying, well, that's just the way I am. I couldn't help it. I've always been that way. I'll always be this way. I find excuses for my actions and my attitudes. I just can't help it. That's the way I am. But if we're here in church uh, this morning, uh, if we're believers, if we read our Bibles, or if, if we believe in preaching, you're, you listening to preaching, me uh, preaching myself, then we think that God is active, uh, that uh, change is possible, that things just don't, won't always be the way they are. But then how does that work? If, if I need... Uh, more uh, grace in my lives, in my life, uh, more uh, forgiveness for others, more hope uh, in in our work, or hope for others, hope in our ministry, uh, confidence that people might change. How how is that possible? And that's the issue that that Ezekiel was facing. Also, if we look at the historical context of this text, Ezekiel he was speaking to a people to the Israelites that uh, had trouble changing. <laughs> uh, when God uh, created the people of uh, Israel, back with uh, Abraham, he called the people to himself. He set them apart and said that you're going to be different. But of course, uh, the Israelites, they were different for some time, but then they went back to their old habits. God blessed them richly and set them apart and made them different. He, he put them into the, the, the land of Israel as a sign of his blessing, a sign of how good he was, how he could set people apart to indicate for the whole world how great God was. But even after God did this, he put them in Israel, they returned to their old habits, to their old patterns. Um, and uh, particularly Egypt in the Old Testament, is a, a metaphor. It was a real place of slavery for the Jews, but then it's also a metaphor for slavery, uh, for that con human condition of rebellion against God, trusting in ourselves uh, rather than in God. And so as, 
as God saved the Jews out of slavery in Egypt through Moses, even as they escaped from Egypt, they said to themselves, oh, things were better back in Egypt. <laughs> and so in this day, which is hundreds of years after Moses and, and, and the, the deliverance out of slavery, there was David, and they made, God made Israel into a complete nation. Hundreds of years later, they're in the territory, they have their kings, they have their, their temple, they have their priests, but then they rebel again. They, they want to go back to seeking uh, comfort in their own power, their own abilities. God brings Assyria as a judgment uh, on Israel. And uh, Israel doesn't like that. And so they seek an alliance back with Egypt again. Again, this going back to Egypt. And they pray to God and they say, help us, help us. And then God sends even worse. <laughs> he sends the Chaldeans. And again, Israel says, oh, let's make a deal with Egypt to deliver us from the Chaldeans. So at the time that Ezekiel is supposed to be entering into his, his functions as a priest at the age of 30, he's hundreds of miles away from the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, God has again put the people of Israel into slavery, into exile. Ezekiel goes on in, in the book of Ezekiel for uh, full 30-some chapters about judgment, judgment against the enemies of Israel, judgment against Israel. And then he gets to this, this passage and uh, several other in this, these couple chapters here about deliverance, about hope, uh, that eventually there will be a definitive change made in the people of Israel, and it won't be thanks to themselves. It'll be a sovereign work of God that changes them and convinces them, and, and it's going to take nothing less than a complete replacement of their heart. He's going to completely change their affections, their desires. Uh, for us, when we speak about heart, it's mainly we talk about our emotions. My heart tells me this, my head tells me that. In uh, the, the Jewish mentality and in the, the language of Scripture, the heart stands for the whole person, your affections, your desires, your intellect, your thought process, and it's just all of that uh, that needs to be changed and will be changed. So as Ezekiel should be entering into his priestly functions and serving God, mediating between God and the people uh, in the temple. Instead, at the age of 30, he's in Babylon, hundreds and hundreds of miles away from uh, where uh, it seems like he should be. I was glad to, to hear uh, what David said that he's preaching in, uh, in Revelations. It's really challenging and it can be really fun also to, uh, to study apocalyptic literature. So maybe I don't need to go into that so much if you've already been studying it. But, but briefly, Scripture is, is composed of different kinds of literature. There's poetry, there's uh, narrative, there's letters, there's wisdom. And then there's apocalyptic literature, which is very, uh, it's just completely full of images. And you have trouble really understanding what it means unless you have a description somewhere, an explanation of what it means. And that's where we get into trouble is we see these pictures and then we kind of impose on it 
what we want it to mean, and it can mean different things for different people. It's uh, the closest thing I'd say to we have it in our culture would be like comics, <laughs> or uh, they're, they're just an image, and we kind of like that because we can read into that what we want. The surest way to study apocalyptic literature is to count on what the author himself tells us. And uh, often there's good clues or, or even clear explanations in the scriptures for what that picture is. So what we have in chapter 37 is this picture of the dry bones. And then in chapter 36 we'll read there is a little explanation for what he's talking about in chapter 36. Uh, let's talk a little bit about these dry bones just to, to make that point. Uh, it's this, this section starts where Ezekiel has this vision. There is some debate in the commentaries about whether it was a specific valley that uh, Ezekiel would have recognized. Uh, what he says is that he, the hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. So to me, it's not essential whether it was a, a literal, specific valley or it was a vision of just some valley somewhere. Uh, the, the point is that he wasn't physically there. Uh, this was, an Im this was a, a vision that, that he saw in his spirit. And it's a spirit, it's a vision of complete desolation, a complete death, uh, destruction, no hope at all. It's not like there were just discouraged people in the valley, <laughs> disappointed people, uh, misguided people in the valley. In fact, there weren't even alive people in the valley. <laughs> not only were they dead, but they were completely decayed, completely dismembered, separated from each other to the point of, of dry, dry bones. Uh, absolutely no hope. And of course, that's a figure, that's an image of how the Israelites saw their condition as completely hopeless, completely uh, without any solution possible. And I just love the, the question and then the answer that uh, Ezekiel gives. Uh, he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, who has seen God do some strange thing, requires some strange things, Ezekiel gives exactly, I, th I think, exactly the right answer. O Lord God, thou knowest. And then we can think about these, uh, these dry bones. For Israel, it was their hope was shattered. They were far, far from the promised land. And that's what Ezekiel is talking about. Is, and because of the Israelites... For them, the accomplishment, the fulfillment of God's promises for them was to enter into the land of Israel. That was, for them, the sign, the symbol, the, the visible evidence of God's blessing. And we see that in verse 12. Uh, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will bring you into the land of Israel. So for the Israelites, going into Israel was, was what they all wanted, what they all hoped for, what they all desired. 
read a couple verses in verse in chapter 36 uh, that support and explain what this picture is in verse in chapter 37. So we'll read in chapter 36, beginning with verse 24. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you, and I will remove this heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So to move towards applying this text for us, I'd like to suggest two errors to avoid, and then we'll look at two great promises uh, for us in this text. The first error to avoid would be to get sidetracked in this whole question of Israel. Uh, It is something that has divided, I don't know so much what's going on today in the church in America, but in the church in France, it really is a a point of dissension and um, just a lot of hard feelings and just division in our churches. Uh, some of us are really looking to to national Israel as uh, seeing that as very essential to how God's plan is unfolding. And, and we, we tend to differ. There's so many different aspects of God's plan, and some of us uh, latch on to different elements of it. Just I'd say, let's, let's not fight over it, <laughs> let's not dispute over it, and let's not think that this text in Ezekiel is just speaking about that. We can learn, the, the point for us is that God is great, God can bring life where there is only death. The promise for the Israelites was to go into the land, and that's great for them, but I would imagine there's few of us here that are Jewish uh, uh, ethnically. But there is great news for us, even who are Gentiles and not Jewish, uh, because the kind of God that we see here, who can restore a a completely dead, dispersed people, dispersed into all the nations, He can give them back what what God had promised them. And He can also do amazing, amazing things in our lives also. Uh, As we're faced with uh, maybe it's, it's habitual sin. Maybe it's uh, uh, sickness. Uh, maybe there's somebody that you've prayed for for years and years and years, and you're wondering, are they ever going to uh, convert? Uh, are they going to come to faith in Christ? Uh, this is kind of verse that really encourages us in our work in France. These, these, uh, these churches in France, I could think of them as dry, dead bones. <laughs> Will they ever change? Will they ever have life? Will they ever respond to God's word? And the answer is, you alone know, Lord. And we see in this picture of, of Ezekiel 37 that God is uh, apt and willing, and he even promises that he will bring new life. He will uh, perform this miracle of giving spiritual life. So let's not get sidetracked into the issue of Israel. The second error to avoid is that in reading a scripture like this, or I'm even aware of that as I preach, it, it's rather offensive 
to be considered as a dry bone. It's rather uh, uh, humiliating to, 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 to say, to be considered as completely unable to make those kinds of changes. It's, it's not real popular in many circles to say that uh, uh, we are completely incapable, completely unable, uh, completely dead. We're not able to look within ourselves. We're not able to encourage one another that it really takes a sovereign work of God from outside of us to give us spiritual life. And uh, let's not get lost in and, and with that, it's, it's our human pride. Uh, it's, uh, again, and that was a problem of Ezekiel in his day. He was a prophet. He was given this message that you're dead bones. <laughs> God will work on you from uh, bringing his grace from without. But actually, as part of Ezekiel's message was it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And the, but there were other prophets in Ezekiel's day saying, Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We're getting better and better. It's not that bad. And uh, I think in our, today, our age today, we, we're faced with the same kind of decisions. Our, 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 our human hearts essentially, oh, just a little bit off. Do we just need a little bit of education, a little better, few, few better examples? Or, again, are we completely incapable of uh, following God and pleasing Him? Do we really need a radical external intervention if we are to change? Now let's look at the two great promises in this text. The first is that we see God works in the world and in our lives by His Word. Uh, again, we're people of the Word. We're in, in the church. We have our Bibles but it is kind of crazy when you think about it that God gives so much importance just to His Word. Uh, lots of other religions do lots of other things uh, and see a mystical power uh, in lots of other activities. Uh, but essentially, Christianity is a religion of the Word. It's... Uh, we, we can go back to Genesis and creation. God created by His Word. He spoke, which just, uh, oh, just seems kind of foolish, <laughs> kind of silly, that, that by pronouncing words, there can really be a change in reality. Now, of course, words are just more, they're, they're not abracadabra words. <laughs> they're words that are full of, of meaning, and uh, there are connotations to the word. But, Essentially, and that's why I'm preaching today, that's why you're listening, because we believe that words make a difference, that, that, that hearts are changed, minds are changed, convictions are changed, uh, even our desires and our, our feelings can be touched by words. Um, I guess we could go on and about images in all kinds of different ways in our society that, that uh, we, 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 uh, we think that the spoken word is just kind of old stuff, uh, the way people did things long ago. But I think we're going to find uh, that there's always by a word. It's always by, by spoken words that God acts. And that's, again, the picture here of, of Ezekiel. You, know, you alone, Lord, know if these bones can live, and how will they live? 
by Ezekiel, uh, preaching to them, speaking to them. God accomplishes his intent uh, through the word. We can think of Jesus calling Lazarus out of the grave by a word. And then we'll get into, uh, as we close, how Jesus is the word of God. Uh, Not just words in air, uh, but words that God takes and puts flesh on and and comes into the world that the word uh, became a man. And that's how God will continue and pursues his work of redemption uh, through the word, but the word incarnate. So that's the first great promise that God works in the world by his word. And additionally, he works by his spirit. And there we really need to to coordinate the two. It's not that the Word is independent of the Spirit or the Spirit is independent of the Word, but they they work together. God does His action, His ministry in the world through the Word, but also through the Spirit, and they go together. Um, We could also point out that uh, for the Hebrews, the the Spirit, the breath, uh, the the life, we're all in, in the same Word. And so as we read this text, when he says breath and wind blow, uh, they're all a very close uh, meaning. And of course, it's, it's the breath that the Spirit is, is, is uh, sent by the word of Ezekiel into these um, bodies, and that it's the word, or it's the breath, it's the Spirit that gives them life. So all human activity, even preaching, would be just a dead word unless the Spirit accompanies, accompanies us and gives us real life. Then also to, to emphasize that the Word of God that came into the world definitively is, of course, Jesus Christ. And there we think of John 1, where um, God word uh, becomes uh, flesh and then we can see how he acts, see how he lives and specifically how he is resurrected from the dead and so the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the victory that God has over death and sin in Jesus Christ is really the reality I think that, that Ezekiel is pointing to Ezekiel saw this vision of dead bones, he says how How could they live? You alone know, Lord. And then 600 years later, uh, they saw that the Word of God became flesh, and that's how spiritual life uh, comes into the world, through Jesus Christ. There's lots of ways we could go with application for this text, but uh, I'll just pick the, the specific importance of God's Word in our lives day to day. Because we know that that God specifically blesses His Word and His Word in Scripture, then we read the Bible. Now, we, we, you could read your Bible every morning, every evening, three times a week, uh, however you like to do it, but just we, let's read our Bibles. <laughs> There we know that we have access to the Word of God, and then that Word of God will be active in our lives. As we read, we, we study with others, It's great to read the Bible alone, but as I study the, the, the Bible with others, I get other ideas, people point out things that I wouldn't have thought of, 
and there's a real richness within the community of, of a small group as we study the Word. Uh, another application would be we witness to others. Uh, specifically, as we witness to others, we want to tell them, yes, we want to tell them what God's doing in my life, how I've seen Him work in my life or in the lives of others, but specifically, we want to witness with a word of Scripture because there's much more power in what God's word is uh, than what I think, what I feel, and what I've seen. Before I, I close, I need to, to point out uh, something that, again, is, is not real popular, but it's important to, to point out, is that, yes, God is at work in the world. Yes, He promises to be very active in His Word and in His Spirit, but we can go for years and years and years, sometimes for a whole lifetime, and not see the benefits and not see those promises accomplished. We have Ezekiel who saw, he had this vision of the dry bones, and he saw the, in this image, he saw the bones come to life and form, be formed into a great army, but he, he saw that in this vision, but in his own physical life, he died without seeing that accomplished. Uh, God was still faithful, God was still true. I'm sure, and, and certainly we read in Ezekiel how, how Ezekiel saw God accomplish many things. But there are prayers that, that we pray in sincere faith that we never see answered. Or God answers them in a very different way, like, we, like I mentioned earlier, that God wanted, or the Israelites were oppressed by Assyria, and they prayed and prayed and prayed, and then God sent uh, the Chaldeans. It was even worse. So God wants to do with us things that, that we can't even imagine. Uh, but we can always trust them. They're always good. They're always best for us. Um, but it's rarely ha exactly how we imagine. So what is the application of this text um, for, for you? Uh, can people change? Uh, I'm sure that each of us are de dealing with different issues in uh, uh, being uh, hurt by, uh, by what people say around us or uh, confused by... Uh, uh, life not going like we want. Um, I, I can think specifically of some broken relationships that uh, I just, and that, that's my prayer in this. Will these bones ever live? Will, will God ever restore, uh, uh, reconcile um, these people? We know that's the promise of the gospel, but we can go for years and years and years without seeing it. But the importance of a scripture like this, a text like this, is that we can be sure that God is faithful, that he will work by his spirit and by his word. But it's a, re a radical intervention from, from outside of us. It's not from within. And if, if we come to God, if we come to, to the Bible, if we're looking for just a little bit of encouragement, just for uh, uh, some helpful advice, will often be frustrated and discouraged because Jesus, he will not be just a, a handyman. He won't just be someone who helps us a little bit. Uh, he's going to be our, our Lord. He'll be the, the unique one who gives us spiritual life or, or, or he'll rest a complete stranger to us. We, we really won't understand him or appreciate him. But if we see ourselves like these dead bones, if we, uh, by God's grace, 
by the work of the Holy Spirit, if we can see that we're spiritually dead, uh, then we also can see how spiritual life comes. And again, we have the, 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 the beautiful example of Jesus Christ, who is spiritual life. He's the one who shows us that dead, a dead body, a dead person, can be resurrected. Uh, he can and he will uh, make great changes in our personal lives, in our families, in our churches. We can be certain that he will also give new spiritual life um, to all those who, who trust in him. Uh, let's pray.